Welcome to Mummy and Daddy, the podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children. Because parenting can be scary. And kids are definitely creepy. Hello, Josh. Hi, Carol. It's been a while. It has been. It has been. It's... Yes, 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 it has been. It's been about a month. Is that about right? Yeah, we kind of slowed our roll to three weeks and then we put it off one week because, you know, bailing is fun. Donate to the bailoutproject.org. <laughs> <laughs> that is why we took a week off. We took a week off because it didn't really feel uh, like we were going to be the ones um, to speak up during a time of immense civil unrest and um, some incredible public outcrying as to white parents that jump in and feel like ready to like just talk about horror movies while um, we're, the country's recovering from yeah. like, exercising demons of, you know, hundreds of years of racial inequity. Yeah. Recovering is a very bold and positive word. Um, <laughs> I don't think we're, quite there yet but it's been an interesting month and i think we definitely didn't post anything about the last episode like any links to anything because that just didn't feel right it didn't feel like a good use of the space um i feel like just this week people have been posting other things besides you know information and it's been great I, I hope that never stops that's not something that i want to end um but i did feel like we needed to give a beat to you know kind of leave some just just not have our voice in there right now but um it's not to say we don't want to talk about it because we do yeah hopefully you saw some of our stories or posts that were talking about some of those issues and some of those issues of inequality that specifically we obviously tried to keep it in the role of our podcast and that like it was about um, things about like inequity in care for in maternity care for black moms um, how they're three times mm -hmm. more likely to die in childbirth than white moms how they don't get adequate um, say like lactation consulting and right, even just right. like basic things like that because of racism in the medical community mm -hmm. and it has been even some of that stuff i know we've heard or read before it was it's been a deeply affecting couple of weeks and so you know we wanted to come back with an episode related to that because like carol said like we hope that that doesn't stop and that we're able to continue to use our limited platform to keep talking about those issues too of course we chose a genre that is pretty infamous for not having a lot of great roles for um, for black folks or really any people of color. Yeah, especially just, you know, the classics. And then to narrow that down even further to horror movies with kids in it. Yep. It is 
very uh it was very challenging trying to find those movies and it just really speaks for itself what needs to change but we yeah and we had already done us you know we were talking to some people about this problem of trying to find a diverse cast and have children in it and people like just do us we're like that was episode three (laughs) um and it really is it's still crazy how it feels like jordan peele is like really dominating that space and i'm so happy about that like i just wish that there were more oh yeah it speaks to the lack of diversity in hollywood right it's like they always pick we we're allowed one non-white male to do blank right and so the one non-white male who's allowed to do genre stuff is jordan peele right now right he's so hot and like why would you bet on anybody else let alone you know Mm -hmm. it's just and it and luckily he's doing great stuff but yeah it kind of feels like the black panther of the marvel world where it's like okay you get one get one really cool black superhero i mean i guess there's falcon too but he's not cool let's face it right (laughs) i mean and there was a captain marvel in the 80s who's black there's storm there's there's a handful but they don't in x-men right but also to give that just saying like the black panther universe is enough is also weirdly limiting when then Mm -hmm. you're like oh yeah there's these you know there's whatever eight separate franchises that all you know but they it's cool to see like your Miles Morales uh, Spider-Man it's very cool. in like a more prominent role and I, I, Ms. Marvel coming out soon. Um, she's mm-hmm. Indian American and like those are. Yeah, they're trying, but it's just not enough. It's just no. not enough. It's like, could it, it's like Ant-Man, why'd he have to be white? Just all, all oh. so many characters. Oh yeah. The great, to me, like the biggest, like the dumbest misstep that m- like Marvel specifically could have gotten way out ahead of was when they were taking a bunch of fan shit for the fan, the last fantastic four reboot because oh, right. uh, Michael B. Jordan was Johnny storm in it, human torch. And the storyline is that he's the adopted brother of Sue storm rather than just flipping it and making the storm family black. And maybe right. she's still falls in love with white reed richards maybe he's black too like maybe right it's just a black fantastic four like would anyone have given a shit because right it's a i mean it's a dreadful movie it would have been at least like a cool that would have been at least a a, an informed a choice that was made that wasn't just like oh yeah we're like tokenism purely right it's a bummer and i honestly just like seized on this one because it was it looked good just the fact that it was a zombie movie, kind of like how we did Train to Busan in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of pandemic-y stuff going on in this movie. Oh, and yeah. I could just, you know, it felt like a good cathartic watch. And it was. Yeah, um, this movie's called The Girl with All the Gifts. Yes. Is the title. The Girl with All the Gifts, 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, written by a white male, directed by a white male. Yeah. So. Telling the story. Uh, yeah, Mike Carey, comic book writer, incidentally, mm-hmm. British guy, and the screenplay ended up on a, like the whatever their version of, what's it called, the blacklist here, the un unproduced oh, scripts. Okay, yeah, I saw that somewhere. Mm. Um, and he wrote a graphic novel along with it, 
it was simultaneous. It wasn't oh, okay. based on a graphic novel. He just started writing the screenplay, I think, and mm. then just turned it into the graphic novel and produced both at the same time. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the move with IP is like, mm. just just make it a book, make it a graphic novel, just have some IP because then it'll just be that much more likely to get bought as a movie. Yeah. That. But yeah, friend of the pod, Hillary in Maine said that she had read the book and she was curious to see how the movie um, held up. So she said she was going to watch it. I'm excited to hear what she thought about it. So please do let us know, Hillary. We yeah. love you. I guess they did make some intentional different choices, but I had read like one or two of them that didn't make any sense that referenced the hungries as they call the zombies mm-hmm. and like some other kind of what felt like jargony terms. But I tend to like uh, scan over that stuff when I'm reading because I don't like spoilers. Right. But I was like, oh, OK, like that's just kind of interesting as it was created simultaneously, there's still a conscious choice to make something different. Hopefully they didn't change like the ending. I know. (laughs) Well, I'm curious about that because I I was reading some reviews and people were upset by this ending. But let's recap the movie so people know what the heck we're talking about. Yeah. Just in case you didn't watch it, which, you know, go watch it. It's easy. Yes, we bought it. We went ahead and bought the movie. It was like a couple dollars more than renting it. It's a bargain at twice the price. That's exactly. not true. It's just, I mean, you know, it's a affordable <laughs> movie. <laughs> Treat yourself. You're not treating yourself to much else besides movies. So just do it for this one too. Okay, I'm going to read two. There's basically a short little summary, little baby summary, and then a longer one. But again, with these newer movies, it's not as fun. There's not like so many stabs at it. <laughs> I do hope that you did see in the last couple days here while <laughs> post recording before this drops, you will hopefully have, we will have put out there our Rotten Tomatoes synopsis Mad Libs from the Wretched. That was something we made right when we did the episode. But um, then as people were being murdered at the hands of police and we were coming together as a country to try to finally combat that mad lib seemed inappropriate so we're going to uh hopefully you can get a little fun out of that and i think that i want it to be an ongoing thing yeah so i do believe there will be mad libs for the rotten tomatoes synopsis of the girl with the gifts with all the gifts as well okay great so i'll read this little synopsis and then you want to read the rotten tomatoes one yeah sure Great. Okay. A scientist and a teacher living in a dystopian future embark on a journey of survival with a special young girl named Melanie. Okay. That's just a trash, (laughs) complete trash summary. Who's that from? Anonymous, of course. Dance like nobody's watching. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't sign my name to that piece of shit either. Oh, my God. That could be... Beyond Milo and Otis. (laughs) (laughs) Anything. Anything like why bother? All you really revealed is her name. She's a special young girl. She's a zombie hybrid, but still, that is something else. Let's just have you read a real good synopsis. Movie info: The near future humanity has been all but destroyed by a mutated fungal disease that eradicates free will and turns its victims into flesh-eating hungries. Only a small group of children seem immune to its effects. At an army base in rural England, 
This group of unique children are being studied, subjected to cruel experiments by, bi by biologist Dr. Caldwell. Despite having been infected with the zombie's pathogen that has decimated the world, these children retain normal thoughts and emotions, and while still being subject to the craving for human flesh that marks the disease, these second-generation hungries are able to think and feel, making them a vital resource, resource in the search for a cure. The children attend school lessons daily, guarded by the ever-watchful Sergeant Parks, but one little girl, Melanie, stands out from the rest. Melanie is special. She excels in the classroom, is inquisitive, imaginative, and loves her favorite teacher, Miss Justineau. When the base fails, Melanie escapes along with Miss Justineau, Sergeant Parks, and Dr. Caldwell. Against the backdrop of a blighted Britain, Melanie must discover what she is and ultimately decide both her own future and that of the human race. Solid. Yeah. Spent a lot on the on the base in that, yeah. Bob. That actually made me want to ask you something that was not clear because it, it talks about how she's so special. But didn't it seem like not only were these kids able to think and feel, but that they were like geniuses, right? They were like memorizing the periodic table or was that just like a lesson? I I got the feeling that Melanie was special and I think... I think they were trying to determine what's the difference, but what what are you memorizing and what are you learning, right? Because there was something that Dr. Caldwell in infers or you know says kind of under her breath at one point is like they're, uh, they're excellent mimics or something of human emotion, right? That they're right. trying to figure out like, is this basically like, is this your lizard brain just like absorbing mm. the positions of things on the physical periodic table or right. are you internalizing like these are the noble gases and you know right 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 okay interesting because i was just remembering how i definitely thought that they were like almost preternaturally like smart in this kind of indiscernible way that that's totally. what they were studying but mm, i was just complicating it to make it more interesting for myself like i do sometimes i feel like you do that too oh for sure yeah, yeah. i mean because it does seem like that would be more fun because i thought they were i didn't know it was a zombie movie per se before mm -hmm. we watched it and so i wasn't sure if like oh are they like precogs or something you know are they yeah. some other kind of like yeah are they geniuses because mm -hmm. she really comes out of the gate as obviously a really special character you know mm -hmm. it's so it's so abnormal right because she um, she they're so they're held in these cells and guards come in and basically at gunpoint make the kids buckle themselves into these wheelchair mobility devices and they and she's just very polite and nice to everybody and like very thoughtful so even yes. that is like, oh, this person, well, I kind of thought she was, I thought it was strange, but it turns out it's just showing that she's really sweet. <laughs> right. And really, yeah, just, she's trying to just get along. Yeah. There is some, yeah, I mean, we'll talk, we'll get into all this as the show goes along. But yeah, my very first note on this and this film was like, imagine waking up with like a gun in your face every single day. And there's part of this that kind of feels like it harkens back to weird kind of like law and order 90s neoliberal ideas about like kind of like race and violent crime and stuff like that. But like there's a study I wanted to look up about 
what does it actually mean to be exposed to violence in your home as a as a child or like in your in your immediate circles and everything you know you could see that being sort of twisted for political purposes positively or negatively but of course like the overwhelming evidence is that it does of course negatively impact you whether that's violence in your um like, right well stress alone right exactly like just the simple health, stress yeah on your health yeah. and and whether that's like you have parents who fight or you know are abusive or it is just like you live in a dangerous neighborhood mm-hmm. and can't or go to a school that sees lots of violence or is gang activity and that kind of thing that you yeah that yeah just that that stress and there's a there's a million basically like ways that can impact you psychologically as you're growing and um you know there's like different emotional and behavioral symptoms but i think there's a lot of pitfalls that we'll talk about as we go along where like this movie could have really gone very poorly and been really kind of racist in ways that I think it that it was like pretty positive and and like made the right choices. Or mm-hmm. like even in this, at the very least, there is an explanation that like this child is just a knows literally nothing else. Is not afraid of anyone. It's not it's not violence in the way that we know it in our own society. But the bigger thing is is that like she's a post human. It's not the same like kind of cause and effect relationship of like mm-hmm. violence in your daily life and like what that would be like. Though yeah. I do have all kinds. I always have questions in these types of movies though about like even just how do you stay physically fit if you're confined to uh, whatever it is eight by ten cell and then you're in a well wheelchair. yeah I mean she she subsists on worms and she's very skinny but she's she has this fungal infection that makes her a zombie. So that kind of answered those questions for me. And right. also, you know, it comes out later that the way that these kids became hybrids were their mothers were pregnant with them when they got infected. So then the, the babies like ate their way out of the moms basically. And they don't show that, which is kind of great. I'm glad they didn't like flash back to something like that. Um, Cause you can obviously like your mind does a much better job. Um, but I was thinking the same thing, like, what, what, like, when they were a baby, like, and then they're a little kid, like, anyway, it's not, it's right. like, who Developmental cares? Developmental stuff yeah, in this. But it's like, but if you, what you're saying is, like, they're, they're basically born, uh, they're basically born without fear, because mm. why should they be afraid of anything? Because they can basically just attack, you know, and eat their... <laughs> She she has no fear, so and and maybe she's not even afraid of dying, you know. So maybe the gun doesn't really. But anyway, it was yeah. There were a lot of themes in here that were very that could have been really heavy handed, or and I think that they they did a good job of of making it, you know, still enjoyable to watch, and also you're kind of thinking about all these things as it goes without it really giving you all the answers. I mean, I think that them choosing like a young black girl to be the lead. I don't think that was just to spice things up diversity wise. Like I think it really had an impact on the way you were watching it. And that's important because you can't, you can't do that (laughs) and have it be good. You know, it matters. It really matters. So it's like, Oh, for sure. I mean, every, every step of the way with this movie, right? Like even that, that clear mask, I couldn't help but think about that, like, uh, whatever it would be, like a scrimshaw or something of, like, 
there's like slaver mm-hmm. devices, torture devices, basically one of which is like an iron mask that mm-hmm. you know, like they would use to transport slaves with. Yeah, and like all of the strapped into everything, tied to the car. You know, no one trusts her or anything else, and um, seen as subhuman. Yeah, that's definitely like the slavery part of the movie, I think, because um, she is kind of their slave because they she's needed for the vaccine. Yeah. You know, and what I loved about it was um, there's a moment towards the end where she. Um, so Glenn Close is in this movie. <laughs> Dr. Caldwell is played by Glenn Close. She's very good in it. She definitely lends like a lot to a cast that. I didn't recognize anybody else. No. Well, except for the the sergeant um, Parks. He he's been in a shitload of stuff. And I now I can't remember what Mrs. Justineau. Mrs. Justineau <laughs> is from. Um, but yeah, also they, was in like one thing. Right. They've so been he, in things. I think the director. This is his first feature. The TV guy. Yeah, he's a TV guy. So I I, I love a cast of people I don't know, but it was. Like, especially having an older woman is always nice because I feel like those parts are just, again, like non-existent. Not equating sexism or ageism with, with uh, racism. Um, but it was also nice to see diversity in age. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so Glenn Close is, is convincing Melanie to sacrifice herself for the vaccine. And she's trying to, like, get her to believe that in doing so, she'll save Mrs. Justino, her beloved teacher. And Melanie is able to get Caldwell to say, to tell her that, that to acknowledge that she's a human. Mm-hmm. Because this whole time, she hasn't ever gotten that answer. She's asked her or even just believed and been told her whole life that she's subhuman. And and Caldwell acknowledges, like, you're alive. Like, you are. Like, I know. Like, I, you can think and feel. Um, and at that point, Melanie's like, well, no, then no. I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to save you. Because why should I? Like, I, I have a right to be here. And it felt just like watching that was so powerful in this time of such hopefully upheaval of like no i'm here and i'm staying and sorry if you're you know there's a part at the end where she says kind of the same thing to doctor or to sergeant parks where she's like it's just not your planet anymore you know it's kind of just like it was a big like white supremacy goodbye you know like completely yeah which i mean is incredible that it came within a hair's breadth of just doing like the magical Negro stereotype with this movie of just being um, actually run through what that means. If, if that's helpful. Yeah. Go for it. Do it. So these are sort of what are like considered those kind of like the five central points of mm-hmm. that. There's a lot of people kind of credited with coining the term, but Spike Lee really brought it back to prominence in the early 2000s i guess on a speaking tour i kept seeing that reference mm. I was looking for like specifics about how you um how you define exactly what it is and it is wild like the 
the the sort of laundry list of the movies at the time that we're doing it. It's like The Green Mile, Legend of Bagger Vance. It's just like all these things that are just like, you're telling me that Will Smith's best thing that he could do for Matt Damon in a time when black people are still being lynched and have no mm-hmm. civil rights is to help Matt Damon with his golf swing is right. like the best use of his abilities and his like singular focus. So like, here's the, here's the main five. The character is a person of color, usually black, often native American in a story about predominantly white characters. They seem to have nothing better to do than help the white protagonist. Who's often a stranger to the magical Negro at first. He or she disappears, dies, or sacrifices something of great value after or while helping the white protagonist. He or she is uneducated, mentally handicapped, at a low position in life, or all of the above. He or she is wise, patient, and spiritually in touch, closer to the earth, one might say. He or she often literally has magical powers. And that is so, like, I read a couple of things, too, because, like, the, I mean, the especially in horror the first person that jumps to mind is Dick Halloran in The Shining and like how much I really love that character and how much I did kind of have to go like check myself on that. And yeah, it's funny calling it the magical Negro because it's I feel like it's, you know, in the definition that you read that it's sometimes Native American. I mean, it's it's basically like the magical other because there's there's so many examples. It's basically an every single like horror movie um yes that that's the wise person that you go to see and i think there are like many different names for this kind of character but um for sure i mean even just the whole ancient indian burial ground shamans right. witch doctors exactly. you get on the list it's like it's, it's it's not good and we've talked about that on the show before it's never a white person is the exactly the exactly and i mean especially when it's always yeah there's sort of that that just like mystical element and the element of sacrifice is so like yeah but that was the thing that really got me in this movie to bring it back is just if her whole if melanie's whole purpose had been for this vaccine or like i'm going to throw myself into this you know horde of <laughs> zombies and that's how your right. guys you guys will get safe um was it was like a, a kind of hail mary thing at the end just like this super like last second uh kind of buzzer beater of a thing with the fact that the ending was melanie chooses her own reality and her own future instead of like instead of theirs. oh i didn't think it was a hail mary i thought that was like the that was the moment of discovering the answer about 20 minutes 30 minutes before the end and then she kind of just like drives it home and sets everything on fire because her conversation with i didn't feel that way oh that's good that's good yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i was still afraid because i didn't know i Mm. couldn't tell where this movie was gonna go in those yeah like sort of in those moments it sort of like from Mm. the when they figure out it's there's these spores that can um, you know, that if they caught on fire, <laughs> enter Chekhov's mushroom spores. Uh, that the lighter, really. Yeah, <laughs> Chekhov's lighter. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting, like, making notes with these movies as we're watching them. Like, we're literally writing down notes as we go. Because, like, this whole time, again, we knew who made it. And so then looking at it being like, God damn it, 
she, this she's just going to be like my note from that moment was like sacrificing your own special life for the good of white people dot 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 it was like the one of my last notes in the movie and then it was like oh 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 okay cool like yeah. there was a it was like a good ending to say like yeah this is no longer no longer your planet i mm-hmm. mean it's just like and making that kind of obvious decision of like what, what why would i what evidence have you given me to support maintaining right or getting things back to the way they were right is that right. not the greatest white dream right. of them all mm-hmm. maga yeah. um <laughs> From from that point on, I was like, okay, well, this could go really badly right now. <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens. But anyway, hung on and they made an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah. Against white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they did a bunch of cool things to make this a good zombie movie, which is hard to do, I think. Yes. It's almost... It's almost done. You know, like mm-hmm. I I kind of was just not really expecting anything new from it. So maybe that's just just because my bar was super low. But, you know, I love the idea of the fungus in the brain. That's so cool. It's like oh, yeah. so so just like pseudoscience like sure. I'll believe that. Great check. Um you could picture it. A great visual mm-hmm. extension of it too besides them all like forming that huge tower, but just that like great way to also be able to kind of cut corners on zombie makeup mm-hmm. is like uh you're kind of like a Yay. fungus. You're fungusy. You basically have an athlete's face and right. that is like <laughs> and you might also eat your own arm or something, but right. like they could cut down on some of on like the need for like detailed gore. In favor of just like, here's this. Yeah. I thought they were pretty doctored up. Gotta have those ragged clothes as a zombie, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They did that for sure. But I like that the zombies are a little different. They, like they travel in groups and that they their sense of smell is super, you know, accelerated. So the people are wearing this blocker gel mm-hmm. to block their scent. I loved that. Right. And um, they've been living with this long enough that there's like tech around it that there's some mm-hmm. like, yeah it's cool that it that, that it did really feel like oh once this base fell to the zombies then or the hungries again cool love that um that it felt like kind of like the last breath of humanity you know it felt like okay this is it she really is the last hope um i love that there's like a next stage of the the fungus to the the spores and everything. And, um, you know, the whole thing with the pregnant moms and the hybrid, that was cool. That was really interesting. Um, some people, I was reading reviews and some people were saying that like the Walking Dead video game and then this other video game, The Last of Us, Oh, yeah. People it's love Last similar. of Us. Craig lent me his PS4 so I could play Last oh. of Us, which I didn't get to because I think it was right when Wu was born. Oh. So I was like, thank you. Very cute idea. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah. Yeah. So I'd, I'd be curious to listener to hear what listeners think about that because um, I'm never going to play that game. Um, and I'd rather hear from you than just look it up. So that was interesting. Does anybody remember the game Parasite Eve for PlayStation 1? Mm. That was also kind of, I was getting to, you know, mm-hmm. 
wisps of that through this because yeah. there was about like a spore situation right that turned creatures into things yeah. and that was like taking over the world um sorry go on yeah that was just i thought they i thought it was very well done for you know the what it was trying to say <laughs> yeah because you know it's just it's hard to do um i thought there were a lot of things in this movie that were analogous to homeless people the way that they move through the the like the sea of them and without trying to disturb them or call attention to themselves that it just really felt like and 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 mentally ill homeless people especially because there were you know because the, the 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 outbursts of these hungries and the fact that they're called hungries you know just like that that made me feel a lot of things about how people are treated and the way and since you have this like hybrid traveling with the group you're thinking more of the zombies as people right and acknowledging there's this one thing they need that you're not giving them mm-hmm. is a weird is a weird thing it is crazy that zombie movies have managed like from the very first to be message movies oh not yeah. all of them are of course right <laughs> far from it but i mean that's a pretty cool yeah it's usually saying horror something legacy. Yeah. about because like as we were saying it's never the zombies the zombies are never the villains it's always right. the people <laughs> um so yeah that was that was powerful and like there's this great scene where they're all trying to move through this sea of you know asleep basically hungries that are just kind of waiting and there's this one hungry with that's like pushing a stroller and glenn close just like can't help herself and she has to see what's in that stroller and it's just like this (laughs) like a rat eating a baby it's like so so gnarly but and it was great though because that it was that that was like the don't go in the basement or something of this movie where you're Mm -hmm. just like she's gonna do it yeah really you're gonna do this you at the risk of everyone here like which is a cool i mean it's Mm -hmm. like tells you uh, i mean also really great like character portrait moment right yeah to say she'll yeah she'll risk everyone's lives for her for the good of her research right and herself too because like the whole time she has this wound that's festering um got a little fester that's just a wound which i also liked where it's like yeah you just got infected like Mm -hmm. not by the virus just by like yeah it's normal ass sepsis just happening so many movies that are like there there's never an infection (laughs) um but yeah so then there's you know she's like i just can't believe it i i I see them they're like she's caring for her young you know and it's like these are people they are sick you know yeah they just are sick and yeah and speaking of sickness it obviously had a lot of pandemic moments here especially with melanie having to wear a mask yes the base Mm -hmm. is reopening that's basically right the opening (laughs) the opening of this movie was the base is in phase two reopening and they get attacked by zombies and so that's right they so some of them are able to leave with melanie and she has to wear a mask just so she doesn't eat them but 
the right. But like, should she not be able to overcome her? Yeah. Nature, essentially. Right. But basically, like, solid middle of the movie, she is wearing this mask. So, and it's like a clear, yeah, like Hannibal Lecter mask. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it has made me kind of think about like getting one of those clear face coverings. I saw somebody with one today and I was like, that would be nice to see facial expressions more. Yes. In our, yeah. Yeah. And so she's forced to wear this mask and she takes it off when she's not with the, the humans, the uninfected humans. And she's able to just to eat a bird or a cat or whatever she needs to eat. But we, yeah, we're just, we would love to talk about kids keeping on their masks here on mommy and daddy yeah how can they it's such a hard it's just such a challenge and it's summertime and even the breathable ones Mm -hmm. are not really that breathable like it would be great to be able to go to like the school supply store and try on a (laughs) bunch of masks but that's the exact thing that you cannot do no you just have to buy you just have to buy them and that's super privilegy because I see a lot of kids in our neighborhood just wearing like the blue medical paper masks, you know, for sure, because they don't have like friggin twenty five dollars to spend on a two pack. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, these designer masks like uh, I've you can buy them with any IP on them. Mm-hmm. You can buy them with uh, um, a friend of ours has one made of like raw denim from mm-hmm. a maker that he enjoys like things like that that you can just various golden girls masks um really (laughs) yeah well i think uh i think my friend elena has one and then i think our friend elizabeth has one as well amazing yeah i mean hey like the good thing is i haven't seen any major gow oh i was gonna say i haven't seen major gouging i do feel like most people are doing either like a sell one give one mm-hmm. kind of thing they're giving them to some charity they are or making them otherwise available um or have a sliding scale whatever it might be i will tell you it does not it's devo in their the band devo, devo in their web store made a bunch of like made their own line of devo based ppe including yeah. like their whatever they call like the infinity hat like right. domes with a clear face shield over it oh, and then cool. like devo i mean they're incredible but then they're like 60 dollars and it's not like forever you know a portion of each of these goes to uh, first responders or something like that no. it is just like a straight up like you know Shame. Merch cash grab. Shame, Shame Devo. Devo. Shame also, if you. anybody wants to, you know, send us a couple of Devo helmets yeah. with face masks. <laughs> My birthday, accept. Josh's birthday coming up. Summer yeah. birthdays. Any day is a good day for um, a gift. Yeah. <laughs> you don't Our need a reason. favorite podcast hosts. We're going to be... We're going to be uh, dealing with COVID for a while now. You got time. That's right. Surprise us. Um yeah, so our little ones, Woo and Boo, they do not keep their masks on. However, they are better about it than I thought they'd be. I know. I'm very impressed. On yeah. our Father's Day outing, I was extremely impressed. We went to the Arboretum. We went here. to the Arboretum in Los Angeles, had never been. It's great. It's very wide open. It didn't feel crowded, and it still, you know, 
there were people there, but it didn't feel yeah. like you were in any way jeopardizing your six feet. Um, yeah, parking lot was full, but you didn't. There's plenty of yeah. It's massive. Room to move around. It's massive, but it does also feel doable. Unlike the Huntington. Yeah. For those of you in L.A., LA, or if you have a similar public garden or botanical garden in your own area, some of them are unwieldy. They're unrealistic with little ones to get, say, all the way across them. Yeah. And people will be like, have you checked out the children's garden? I'm like, I don't even know how to get there. I've never made it past like (laughs) 10 minutes into this place because you usually have to like, you find a koi pond, you poke around and then it's time to go. Um, But you have been to the children's garden. Oh, no. Oh, it's great. It's really great. (laughs) Great. I Yeah. That's what I've never made it there. So we'll see if that happens. Yeah. It's really cute. Um, But this, I think the difference is and just heads up for LA people who want to get some fresh air. Um, kids under free or f- under five are free. Um, it's flat. It's flat mostly for that mm-hmm. stroller pushing for maybe some grandparents you want to see physically distant from and just outside. Cause as we're all learning outside is best. Yep. Outside is best and activity is important. So it's yeah. a great, it's a great way to do it. Don't um, let Arcadia scare you off. It's only 20 minutes away from the east side. That's right. Uh, all right. I think we've earned our paid sponsorship here, right? <laughs> that's right. We are free membership. Yeah. Only three months. Kind of bullshit. Yeah. But I've already signed it, so I can say that sort of thing. Um, Take that. Uh, yeah. Business daddy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I got you. I got you, business daddy. I got you so good. So we did that and they were keeping their mask on, masks on. It was rather warm and I only have one mask per kid right now. That's um, a pretty thick mask with not adjustable elastics. So I think I need to change it up. I would love to hear everybody's favorites. I found a... um best masks for kids right up from the strategist we all love that so i'll post that but if anybody has a brand or even a person who's making them that um that you love we'd love to hear about that because part of keeping it on is definitely comfort and like yeah and if you're making them we'll shout it out send us a link yeah and then you know with the the super small kiddos I mean, it's not required hardly at all anywhere that kids, I think, under four or five wear them because it's so unrealistic. But, you know, you as a parent, you obviously want to have that mask on. And as well, we really want to talk about going back to school. It could be a requirement for people. So um, this is going to be important stuff. Um. If anybody has tips, though, on like gamifying the mask, how how you guys do it, because we have we have no strategy right now. Just we are lucky that Wu is a really huge rule follower. So he Mm -hmm. and Boo likes costumes and Boo likes costumes. And he really also copies his older brother, which Mm -hmm. is so nice. So. I think once I get a very comfortable mask for them, it won't be such a big deal. You know, this, we don't know how long this is going to be. It's definitely going to be a long time. 
So we need to figure it out together. Help us. So help. (laughs) Email us. (laughs) (laughs) Um but yeah, so so going back to school. So so the base is in phase two of reopening. Oh my gosh, the zombies yes. are social change pushing the government to uh, <laughs> yes. to reopen faster. I think I, I said this to you like in passing the other night when we were like about to go to sleep, and I think you gave me a crazy eyed look. This specifically is what you're saying. What I am saying about how the protests, like I think, made the government reopen faster. That oh. they're just like, no, let's open it up. Let's open it up. Because everything like shifted into phase three this month. It felt very fast. Right. I see. Yeah. You, you were saying specifically, not that the protests were, to just to clarify for listeners, not that the protests were advocating for reopening quicker, but really as a system of quelling protests, because you specifically brought up the point that like, it means people have to go back to work. They can't just, right? Like, right. Yeah. Because the, because the reason that people were protesting in the first place is because they had like this the mental space to pay attention to this and then also just not working and for sure like there's no it's no coincidence that all the other deaths all the other shootings all the other police brutality never did this you know it's absolutely only because of now and so like the fact that they pushed for reopening i'm not probably saying anything new here but i 100 percent believe that's what happened that they caved because they were afraid oh yeah this is like where the rubber meets the road with like conspiracy theory and reality when you can see some of this stuff playing out in real time it's a really weird it's a weird time to feel like someone who is again especially as i i think we especially are reticent to believe conspiracy theories like that like i think we fall more on the on the side of like, well, it usually has more to do with ineptitude than it does to do with outright maliciousness. But this has mm-hmm. not been the case mm-hmm. with. And there's plenty of ineptitude to go around. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but like, oh, yeah, certainly the city of L.A. was not planning on having enough people on a Zoom call that they had to have like a nine hour um, public comment section for a budget meeting. Right, right. They kept saying that like it's just a handful of loud voices and not actually. um but then they they had to open up this Zoom call on this to talk about the police budget because L.A. cops were were telling the media that they were specifically trying to block out the original 500 cap Zoom call um, by joining the meeting. Things like that. We've heard re- yeah. their reports of, uh, of a bunch of my coworkers who live and work in New York who were saying today that there have been professional grade fireworks going off every night the second the sun goes down we're not talking about neighborhood like Mm. firecrackers or whatever you're getting your hands on from Mm -hmm. wherever you can because like if you go to states that are that even have legal fireworks for sale and even sell like the shells that would you know get you your little like bloom classic firework looking things they're not the ones you go see at a fourth of july show Mm -hmm. those things are so heavily regulated and so expensive that nobody in, is going into like the alley behind their apartment building and firing those off or on right. their roof or something like that. And so like the, again, the implication is that it's city, it's a, it's an inside job that is the city trying to like to either plant something in neighborhoods or just to make it annoying 
to mm-hmm. be there to right. or to make to point fingers or blame at mm-hmm. those kinds of annoyances at black and brown people. And it is just like um, it seems pretty insidious, like whoever is doing it is definitely doing it for a reason. So it's just a weird time to be alive when you're like, oh, yeah, like there really is no kind of mm-hmm. B side to this. There's no other answer to some of this stuff. Um, boy, didn't mean to quite go off on that. <laughs> like okay. un- obviously unplanned tangent of like, and my friend saw this, but it is like, right. it's been, it's just However, uh, yeah, time. To how, whatever extent you want to believe that none of this is a coincidence, it's all tied together in a very obvious way. And that's not a conspiracy theory. That's just like being aware and seeing how these things intersect and seeing why all of it comes to a head during a pandemic is because it is healthcare related. It is related to the economy. You know, it's mm-hmm. all of these things and access and security right. and yeah. personal protection and God knows what else. Mm-hmm. And like, so in your uh, assessment of the base quote unquote reopening, it feels like, yeah, this is kind of how we felt with recent discussions of schools reopening. Yes. That's been an interesting thing. I'm sure everybody's dealing with it in their own house if you have kids. It is the fact that everything is pretty much up in the air to how school will reopen in the fall for school-age kids. And right now in summer, like camps, you have to make all these decisions. And then whether the parents are working, not working, every situation is so unique and so complicated and josh is trying to deal with our preschool which is affiliated with a church and all the special things that go along with that josh is on like the committee and trying to like figure out what it's going to look like it's wild because it's also really the first consequential action this committee has ever had to take on which (laughs) i think is also where a lot of us find ourselves in the pandemic world where all of a sudden you're like oh like a real decision with consequences you normally we meet every like month or two to look at a to look at the budget Mm -hmm. and just say like okay are we doing a fundraiser this quarter you know Mm -hmm. it's that kind of thing it's not it's never anything monumental the meetings are 30 minutes and we're in and out people rotate in and out of the committee it's not like a cabal right (laughs) any means but it's, you know, it's four parents and actually now three because a family was moving away out of town because mm-hmm. of job stuff. But yeah, we've been tasked with drafting, reopening guidelines. We base them on the CDC guidelines, but then we have to make them specific to our space and our little ones because it's a, it's an under five group there are separate classrooms for the under two crowd but anyone who's you know upward and mobile all of a sudden i mean just like the amount of things that you're you're kind of trying to factor in and to me the most calming aspect of it is that there's not a focus on trying to make the the kids um physically distance because Mm -hmm. it's impractical and that like there is a focus more on like What's practically possible if we're talking about actually being in, um, being back in a space like this together? And um, who's our guy that we like? The Minnesota Michael what? Oh, Michael Ulsterholm. Yeah, this guy Michael Ulsterholm, 
who recently did a fresh air. He says this article is going around that's been, uh, you know, he really talks about like the realities of living with COVID-19 and kind of what we have to do to get back to normal. He's a epidemiologist and like public Mm -hmm. safety, public health expert. And he, but, and he's also older. So he's in a, you know, he's in the, the at risk, high risk population. So interesting hearing that perspective from an apolitical person who's saying like, yeah, you do have to reopen economies at some point because like the alternative is a nightmare scenario and like you need to learn how to like what's are your best case scenarios for like living with this. Yeah, he said on the Fresh Air interview, he had to thread the rope through the needle and I was like, oh, it's the guy from the article because like yeah, he made that like really weird phrase. And we're saying physical distancing because he does. He's anti the yeah, phrase. Yeah, but you know what? Distancing. He's got to give that up. It's like. Yeah, cat's out of the bag. The look, horse is out of the barn. Yeah, man. it's not going to happen. It's like, listen, defund the police. You might not like how that sounds, but that's what, what it is. So just, you know, yeah. get used to it. It's like, I, I understand what he's saying, that we shouldn't be socially distant. We should be physically distant. But it's it is what it is now. You know, right. like, yeah, if you rather it is it the reallocate the budget from arming yeah. the police to social services right. and other emergency first responders. Like, he's not wrong that we should be saying physical distancing, but I'm not going to fight that fight. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, like... we're doing a great job tonight, though. So yeah. I'm pretty proud of us. Um, yeah. When when possible, I do like to say physically physical distancing yeah because i i do agree with him but i'm not going to be like well you know you really should be saying physical distancing like i'm not (laughs) correcting correct a person (laughs) on that the day i will not be i will be socially distanced permanently from everyone (laughs) um that yeah with that in mind with kids right that sure you can do what you want and have them eat in different rooms and nap three feet apart or six feet apart or whatever it's going to be. But the reality is if someone in that space ends up with COVID-19, everyone's at risk. You're not also going to try to track like who sneezed on whom, you know, sort of what the individual kind of potential threats are or let everyone Mm -hmm. know like, oh, I mean, there will be some elements of like, hey, a a child went home with a fever today, just FYI. Which is going to be like... Every child, every child for every day, every school reopening, because yep. now we've, I mean, across the board, I feel like every kid has been illness free this whole time it's that wild. they've been home. So um, three months without sniffles. It's unreal. Yeah. But like in this movie was like another interesting thing is that they're physically distancing the hybrids in the classrooms. Each one had its own little spot. For their chair, they're in chairs, they're in cells, they have no physical contact. And it's brought up this whole other thing in trying to write these guidelines, especially when you talk to other parents, the things that occur to everyone first and foremost are not as much the protections and contact tracing stuff. It's like if we're saying school is reopening and if I'm sending my kid there, especially if I'm sending my baby there, what about things like cloth face coverings not to prevent the transmission of you know aerosolides or whatever you call them are these babies missing out on the facial expressions and all those Mm -hmm. the physical non-verbal cues that are such an important part of their emotional development and it does 
bother me. But right now, because of the guidelines the way they are, the answer is the teachers have to wear a cloth face covering, an mm-hmm. opaque face covering, as opposed to these clear shields. We'll see if that changes, but it is just... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is... It's too bad. It is too bad, but I feel like it's it's really going to be fine because those teachers do so much more. And seeing even eyes, you know, like... It's true. It's okay. Like, those teachers are so loving and they sing and they, you know, like, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be fine. As fine as it can be. And that is what... That's and, that's the needle. Yeah. Unfortunately, the all these children are also starting and ending their days at home with loving families. You know, like that is also like a big... Right, right. Not like, like I don't think that this is going to be... And you have to remember, like, if anybody is at a deficit for any kind of social anything in this, everybody is is also at the same level. Like, everybody is in this together. Like, everybody's going to be at, at, at this same point of, mm-hmm. like, it's not just going to be your kid who is lacking socialization or whatever it is. Um, I was getting very anxious about sending the kids back to school whenever that happens. But lately, I've kind of realized, like, if if the plan is to kind of separate the classes more, keep them a little bit more apart, those the class the classes are very small, and we're lucky that that they are. And I, I I've just kind of been talking myself down from the ledge with that, and I think I have to be. I think we all need to be more concerned about what we're doing as adults because as kids, like you, there's only so much you're ever going to be able to control with how much they get exposed. You know, like our kids have been home this whole time. Like Mm -hmm. they've gone, we've gone to the beach once, you know, we, and even then it's like, they haven't been around anybody. So still it's impossible to really. Oh yeah. Guard against, you know, like, and luckily they're not the most at risk population. So I think, and as nor are like, we, which is fortunate. I mean, yeah. that's like we don't live with our parents or neither of us has like an yeah. autoimmune disease or something. Yeah. It, it's just going to be a time of uncertainty. Yeah. And getting used to that. It's just a challenge. I, I, I don't know. It's just when no one knows. And that's really been the most, uh, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's positive and negative with like, dealing with all this stuff is like everyone's collective uncertainty Mm -hmm. um, is sometimes a little bit of a balm and sometimes it totally sucks. I'm, um, and I also try not to get caught being a little too freewheeling with stuff. Like even when I see like, Oh, like the real problem people are like when I drove, I was driving to um, pick up some takeout and went past a restaurant that was fully open. I think they must've been doing, maybe it was even like a wedding hall type of place Mm -hmm. because there were just people spilling out of the door. Everyone was all dressed up. I mean, like inches from each other, no one wearing a mask to be seen and like dozens and dozens of people pouring out of this space. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's, (laughs) that's what they're talking about. Not Mm -hmm. like me, you know, not me uh, interacting with a neighbor across (laughs) our hedge or something right. like that. It is, it is that type of 
gathering and like thoughtless consequence free behavior that it's been appalling there are certain people even in like my instagram feed which i keep pretty close like i don't Mm -hmm. i'm a private user and i keep it to like just the people i want to see i don't follow a lot of celebrities you know what i mean like um i reserve the mummy x steady pod instagram for that it's where we go to follow all the celebs that's right Um, or hot goss yeah but that in the last week have just been like pandemic's over Mm-hmm. And I see pictures just like with a lot of family or friends and close like hugs and I I I am appalled. I I really am like I I can't understand it. Uh why you would do that. And it just seems so it seems so flagrant and without like any explanation at all. Not that they owe me that, but just like is this just going to be your life now? Like you, you don't care anymore. You don't, you just don't care. Yeah. I don't know. I I will not get to that point until it's over. I'm too scared of this disease. You know? Yeah. No, totally. I think. Cause maybe that's it. Maybe people just aren't really understanding how like they were playing along this whole time because they had to. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I think that a lot of us probably have these people in our lives that are just like, I'm bored of this. Never mind. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Who probably never came out and said anything as forceful as like, you know, wear a mask or unfollow me. I, I mean, you know, I think it's one thing to go visit your parents to go, you know, like do those things that are. Right. Yes. But like when you're in a group of like 20 family members. That's right. That is bonkers. I find it so strange. And if all those folks don't actively support prison reform right now and when this thing is all over, like if you don't see that, like, look what 100 days in your own house when you could freely leave whenever you wanted, like did to your sense of like your need for community for other people for interactions Mm -hmm. for you know a a change in your day-to-day whatever it might be and like if you don't think that people in an eight by ten foot cell deserve a better existence than the one we've chosen in like the weirdly like medieval punitive system that we have is like yeah, Something. I mean the privatized prisons. That's what gets me. It's just it's all for profit. It's bon- yeah. We are hitting on some major topics here on Mummy and all Daddy tonight. Yeah, listen, we-, we have all the hot button issues is what you come here for. That's why you listen. Oh, speaking of, can I jump to a topic? Sure. Watching sort of like through my fingers of a fear of like some weird racist <laughs> fantasy story. As we're watching this movie, one of the things that occurred to me early on was like, is there like a racism Bechdel test? You know, is Mm. there something the Bechdel test, of course, being more about gender equality in movies? Are there is there more than one woman character in the movie? Do they ever talk to each other? And if they're talking, is it about something other than a man? Yeah. So it's a three point test. And it's very handy and it is very depressing because there are very few movie- movies that actually pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. In terms of, I think, oh, certainly can't say all, um, a lot of white people, ourselves included, 
during this time as you're kind of especially those of us who think of ourselves as allies have like i've never never really thought about that before this week and it's the first time i've googled it to say like has anybody already kind of done this for race in movies and really the best thing i could find was from 2016 which again like pretty goddamn recent (laughs) yeah for you know for something that is is so obviously like underrepresented or poorly represented literally famously infamously since the dawn of film okay so yeah in 2016 um after it was like i think it's from some sundance reporting a new york times film critic manola dargis brought up this idea of like a bechdel test for race and started calling it the duvernay test after ava duvernay who did 13th 13th. and selma and a bunch of other great movies um so like that kind of caused some you know back and forth especially amongst like the the critic community and so like it was really like laid out by nadia latif and layla latif at the guardian who laid out the points Mm -hmm. and theirs were are there two named characters of color do they have a dialogue are they not romantically involved with with one another do they have any dialogue that isn't comforting or supporting a white character and is one of them definitely not magic oh my god that's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Oy, oy, oy. We got a lot of work to do, you guys. It's tough. Another take on it was, do two main characters who are people of color talk to each other without mentioning their race? That to me is less of the point because a lot of the point is that you should be able to talk about it. But I think you could see where like you could otherwise hit all these things. But then the point is supposed to just be to like be like, oh, we're the black people in this movie. Good to see you. Um, <laughs> one of Dargis's points was also like and like her initial writing of it was is the story in which african-americans and other minorities have fully realized lives rather than serve as scenery in white stories and yeah again like whichever of those approaches or some combination thereof that you want to take i really like that guardian one because i do think you could have four out of five or whatever it's going to be but really not hit all of them and even in, in this it was like oh cool like there's like a fair amount of diversity of this like military installation at mm-hmm. first like that you know melanie is not the only person of color on the base but like they're they're not three-dimensional characters by any stretch like these sol- no, the couple of soldiers who end up like there's zombie th- food exactly who i thought were going to be part at first mm-hmm. they kind of have some little exchanges they're getting her strapped in you think kind of like oh they're gonna there's some bond that's gonna happen there mm-hmm. and they're dead in 20 minutes or something yeah and even like the one guy that goes with them it's like he is basically just there to like yep get eaten by the pack of children which was great yeah um um so anyway yeah that was a- lots of work to do that's a great uh tool um some other reading through on this also led me to a, a tumblr called every single word it was just in one of these articles asking that same question, like, you know, is there a race Bechdel test? This Tumblr, every single word spoken.tumblr.com, we'll share the link, is editing together every piece of dialogue spoken by a person of color in like major motion pictures. That'll be things like uh, every single movie directed by Nancy Myers. So stuff like The Parent Trap, What Women Want, Something's Got to Give, The Holiday, It's Complicated, those kinds of things. 
All movies total 12 hours and 43 minutes. Total runtime of POCs speaking in Nancy Myers directed movies, five minutes and 23 seconds. Oh my God. Under 1%. Wow. So like wild stats and some of them are videos too, where it's just like a YouTube clip of every single, uh, every single word spoken. Some of them are like five seconds long. No. Um, Oh boy. Not great. We'll share it, but yeah. Lots of work to do. A lot. That those are great, albeit depressing tools. Um, I have another tool that I will share as like a scary good stuff fill in since we don't have a material good to share. Very good. Um, scary good stuff. I will post a link to a anti-racist reading room for kids that friends kindergarten teacher put together and it's basically just like a google slide image of like a library room and you can just tap on the cover of the book and it brings you to the youtube book which before the pandemic i had never done before but now we in our circle time each morning we do um we read books and we also sometimes watch people reading books on youtube which like our school sends out with the lesson plans so um you could also buy the books uh if you like them but this i think is a good way to see if like your kids respond to them because you know some books will will hit and, and other ways won't but there's a lot of great stuff in there so i will share that yeah i'm excited to dig into that one yeah. You showed it to me too. It's really cool. Yeah, I actually haven't I haven't gone back to it in a couple of days, so got to keep doing it. And I'm sure there's a million more great resources, so as they come, we will try to post them. Can be kind of hard to know where to start with all this, but you can and you will, and it'll be great. Yeah. And then you get to talk about it with your kids. We'd love to know how it's going. Yeah. If anybody I mean, I'm excited for this because we haven't really had an opportunity to do any of that kind of reading with these guys. Yeah, like a same friend who shared this link, you know, we were both kind of really taken aback at our libraries. I mean, we have some inclusivity stuff and diverse books, but purely by accident. And I think for me, if I'm focusing on that stuff, it's it's more in the gaze of like sexism and and making sure that the books that they're reading are not like super male centric and also not so like heavy handed feminism because there's a lot of that out there now <laughs> that I'm just like, you don't need to tell them that like girls can do anything. They live in that world. They don't need to be told that so explicitly it's more just like show them yeah it's not like even girls can run for president yeah it's like, it's like and i and i yeah i don't know that's a separate a tough, that's a separate issue but it's a tough line but it is also like a lot of it's inc- incredibly reductive and doesn't seem particularly helpful yeah like it almost seems like now i have to explain why you didn't think that a woman could do this in the first place um but i i have an eye for that for gay people being represented, you know, families with two dads or two moms and um, 
We love the Clive is a series. Yeah, those are fun. Um, Clive is a librarian. Clive is a Teacher. waiter. Clive is oh, an yeah, artist. A waiter. That was like inspirational yeah. to our children. Yeah, it's all about lots of differently abled people. Anyway, I really haven't been focused on diversity in their library. And also because I think having this time at home now, we're reading, a lot, you know, without like the library mm-hmm. at our disposal. It's been very easy to take stock of what we have here and see how lacking it is in that stuff. So, oh, yeah. I mean, there's stuff that especially as Wu is learning to read. And I think we both do a thing when we we haven't really talked about it, but that like we will often change pronouns in books that are always like all mm-hmm. these trucks are men. It's like, why are all these trucks men? It makes no sense. Like, why are you even yeah. making them men in the first place? Right. It's so weird that they don't use they, them pronouns or something else. It's just like style of the times. They're just not going to do it. It's, yeah. We've talked about. Bulldozer. Yeah. Um, we've talked about certain books. That I'll just be like, Josh, this character's a girl. Say she. Because mm-hmm. they're all men for some reason. All these animals are boys. Or oh, yeah, that's right. A, giraffes can't dance. Yeah, yeah and giraffes it. can't dance. It's like, really? And then there's a book that we have that's about race cars, and they go out of their way to say that the pink one is the girl. Mm-hmm. And I change like three of them. Same. Three more of them. Oh, yeah. The one that I noticed recently and that I fucking hate is a trash book is The Day the Crayons Quit. I know it's so funny. We were just talking about this book because a friend of ours, her kids really love this book. Our kids really love this book. And I was like, yeah, my kids do too. And I just, I don't know. I I guess it's like a little too long for me. You know, like if if they pick that at bedtime, I'm like, oh my God. They did tonight. And so I was reminded of it. Besides the fact that like, Pink crayon is the girl. It it's the crayons complaining. They're all writing a letter to the Duncan. boy, the Duncan boy. It's also clearly a white kid. We'll get to why in a second. But the Duncan's sister is the only one who uses the pink crayon, and so it's this whole thing. And like, even if you were to somehow change it or step, you know, skip over that line, he can basically read along with you, and he knows these books backwards and forwards too. And so now they're starting to he's starting to pick up when you skip a page or when you do this, mm-hmm. you know, which I just find it's a lot harder to deal with. And so it does mean more like, okay, got to be a little bit more, there will be just more of those conversations coming, which is good. I mean, that's the whole point of like the, especially with anti-racism and how do we know Duncan's white? It's because the naked crayons, peach crayon, mm-hmm. like, and we certainly know the author is white and the illustrator is white because otherwise certainly it would have been, any other color other yeah. than the peach crayon that mm-hmm. would be the naked crayon and how besides I don't even like that that because it's this weird message that like being naked is embarrassing. I know. I'll just hide the book. Don't yeah. forget about it. Honestly. Yeah, it's true. And anyway, it's a it's just a weird, weird things like that, that like we're cursed with thinking about some of this stuff to some degree, but I'm really thankful for it. And I feel like you have a choice prepared like just, us for the work yeah. that we still have to do and i'm and just like there's sometimes you're like oh we've read this a thousand times and it's only now occurring to me that like this thing xyz is right i was always focused on the um on the girl thing but yeah the the naked crayon and it's like 
I've had to throw away certain Dr. Seuss books that are racist, just say weird shit in them that I, you know, we got a hand-me-down collection from somewhere and I've just been like just throwing them in the trash. Yep. Yeah. So like if there's something in your library that bothers you, especially for like super young kids that you can't really have a conversation about, put in the trash, put in the recycling. Yep. Don't give it away. Just, no, that just puts it in someone else's hands. Yep. The point is. Just do it. You have a choice. You, yep. you, nobody has, you know, like your kids will get over it. Or even if you, if they notice, just be like, that book was not good for you. Yep. I don't know. We're pretty brutal about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. Well, let's just bring it back around to some creepiness real quick before we rate this movie. Sure. We have a, the kids are creepy, all right. A uh, little story. Go on. Is there a drop for that? No. No. There should be. Uh, all right. Well, boo the other day. We were just laying in my bed that he had just woken up and he was going, ooh, ooh, ooh. I said, is that a ghost? Is that a ghost? He goes, no, it's just an owl in a ghost costume. <laughs> that was very funny. That's a great joke. It's a great joke. He He is very funny. He's two and a half. Um, when he's not just screaming like Mariah Carey at everything these days. It's a fun time. Uh-huh. Um, and then the other thing he said right after that was, because, you know, he's really intrigued by skeletons. Yes. And he goes, Mommy, if skeletons have tears, you just take a deep breath and it's okay. <laughs> like, it was just like merging so many different conversations that we've had about like skeletons are interesting not scary you know like mm-hmm. um well we don't say they're not scary we it just so happens that woo is very interested in them in a not scary way so he'll often chime in about how amazing they are so you can hear boo kind of like talking himself down being like they're not scary they're amazing oh this is amazing yeah <laughs> But then it's like, if they have myself, (laughs) if they have tears, that is like a straight up alien thing to say. He's like, if skeletons have tears, anyway, he might be a psychopath. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. You might be a psychopath. (laughs) Oh my God. John Ralston should totally do a, you might be a psychopath. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. He is. He might be a redneck. Yeah. It's going to be great. Okay. On that note, let's read this movie. Okay. Um, let's see. How many tubes of e-blocker gel do you give this film out? I'll give you 10. All right. Even though these are rationed and they can check the serial number and know just whose they are. So oh, yeah. make sure you stand by this rating. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um I will give this movie. Can I divide these block uh, e blocker gel? You can share them. We have to. There's not many left. Okay. I think I would give it a six point five. Hmm. Because seven feels like it's going into like an upper echelon of movies that I'm not prepared for. Hmm. But I did really like it, and it surprised me. 
And I didn't have major problems with it. So maybe I'm being too harsh. But I think somewhere between a six and a seven. So a six and a half. Great. What about you? I don't know. I really don't know. I think I liked it. Um, I think it's weird. I wonder if I had seen this in 2017, if I'd even think about it. it. You know, I like the fungus thing. I like the ending. The rest of it is, even though it's almost two hours long, is not, there's not like a ton to latch onto in the, in the middle, which is strange. I think I will still think about some of this stuff though. And I think mm-hmm. that's always a good marker of a good horror movie is that you'll think about it. Yeah. Pack of wild kids. I mean, this is, there's certain things in this that you've presaged. In- yeah. My, uh, my BFA project in film school was about a wild pack of family kids. So that was kind of fun to see how that like in a dis- true dystopian world, I was like, oh, they actually did that right and made it believable because <laughs> yeah. I didn't think I quite got there in my uh, in my short film. But I think that they actually they have the main character kill the leader of the gang of kids and it works. And that's basically what my short film was. And I don't think it, it really worked there, but I think <laughs> that like that was the idea. And I was like, that's really, that's fun. Yeah. It kind of felt like a, like a little cathartic viewing of what could have been Axe Bike, as my, yeah. my short was called. Anyway. It was. I mean, I th- it felt good. It didn't feel like, because I, I liked that it was sort of a side story of it. And I thought really well fleshed out that these kids wouldn't have language and they would basically be feral, mm-hmm. but that they also would go to like the children's bookstore and just hang out there. Cause it'd be all pictures in bright colors and yeah. And they, and it's the argument for why it is not just a sickness, but like a new way of life because they, they weren't like the adults, like the kids were the future and they were, they, they were the answer because they, they were more like, Melanie than the adults like they were trying to communicate and it was cool seeing the also like nature versus nurture stuff in there right that like she knew she's like oh no they can still smell you they can smell the the blocker gel has a smell right yeah you just don't think about it yeah um we do and like that was kind of a cool thing and like they kind of understand each other because whatever it was was like this basically like almost like ants talking to each other like Mm -hmm. some like electro signal that's mm-hmm. going between um okay i just kind of talked myself into a little bit more i'll give it a 7.5 then oh wow i'll go up okay <laughs> all of a sudden i love it. it's my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> 2017 oh, no, i don't know i think your 6.5 is really right on i think that's exactly right. like a true true score yeah okay so then the kids in this movie mm. how many um cans of beans that you eat with your fingers disgusting um out of uh yeah like a pile like like 24 uh. <laughs> <laughs> a pile yeah, two cases of bean cans yep the kids the kids so mainly her you know because the mainly other ones have about five minutes of screen time really yeah yeah and i didn't find the tribe of kids 
scary. I thought it was good world building, but a little out of place in a way. And what do you mean out of place? They set it up. I know, but I just mean like it wasn't. I don't know that that part. I didn't. I wasn't really afraid of them because they're like they just felt like they're no. going to do what they're going to do. Um, and I could not help but think about the kids acting while I was watching it. So mm-hmm. not super great. She was. Uh, would you say I have twenty four cans of beans? <laughs> yeah, I would. You know, love to... a standard issue. Okay, I'm. I'll give. I mean, Melanie, I'll give her a twenty out of twenty four. I because actually, what I really love was her fighting off those kids and otherwise she's obviously supposed to be very flat but that's hard to do too Mm -hmm. in the face of all this kind of action and other emotions happening around you i think i would like i'd like to see her in something else that isn't that you know that i love it not in a sequel and i'd like to see what yeah she could do as an actor because she's like Thought she was good in in sort of those two speeds. Yeah, I think that she has a lot of room to grow, (laughs) as most children do. Because I think that she, like, she wasn't a brilliant actress. I feel like there was some, like, yeah, I kind of saw her acting a lot in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But she still, yeah, she still was great in it and we didn't even talk about this how all the kids at the base all the hybrids are dressed in these like very specific maroon jumpsuits just like in us that was so weird and she's she she's like that skinny um she looks kind of like the girl in us with like a very kind of like not dead-eyed but like you don't know what's going on in the beginning like you don't know if she's like there or not like sure like she's so polite, but you're like, is she psycho? Right, like, it could be like a clone or whatever. Yeah. yeah, we don't know if we're gonna see like a room full of her or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So I, I guess I would just give her like eighteen out of twenty four bean cans. Great. Yeah, that'll get you through. Yeah. As long as you don't sneak into that weird convenience store that's clearly a trap to get to those beans. Don't slide under any kind of shutters. Well, don't people. leave your gun outside, you dum dum. Yeah. Never Sad. do that. Yeah. Don't get caught creeping on the magazines. You're doomed yourself. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well. Speaking of creeps, don't be a creep. Get in touch. We're on email at mummyxdeddy at gmail.com. Twitter and Facebook at mummyxdeddy. Instagram at mummyxdeddypod. And you can leave us a voicemail, 818-839-1991. The biggest thing you want to do is hit our website, mummyxdeddy.com, and find those show notes. Lots of links this week. And I promise I will update it from episode 18. Okay, our theme music is by Kyle Andrews. Our logo was designed by Dara Weinberg. Maggie Spaulding is the vaccine we've all been waiting for. Bye. So a Chicago police officer walked down the stairs and got to the bottom in the basement and looked out over a sea of drunk toddlers yelling, fuck the police, in his face.